I am State Farm Agent Rob Renz, and I want to help you get to a better place. Visit us online at ilminsurance.com. That's ilminsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Welcome to the Veteran Business Collective Podcast. I'm Chase Roth, and we are back for another episode. Joining me today is the one and only Matt Mylot. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Don't good sugarcoat you, it, Matt. How are you for real? Well, um, I'm, I'm glad that I got reminded that I was the first guest of the day today on, on the VVC podcast. Yes, you were. Which we, uh, which we just talked about last night. You were dil- diligently working away. Um, we were five minutes into our scheduled time. And uh, I just, I guess I got lucky that you decided to come down to the studio to do your work today. Otherwise, I'd be sitting here yeah, by myself. Yeah. So. And it's Apple's fault, right? Is what you've. No, no, no. I was just venting about something else. I'm not. I'm not the biggest Apple fan, but no, you guys are. I, I am. Yeah, I am. I'm not a fan of what they charge for their products. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not either. Um, do you have the little Apple sticker? Fam- the little family of stickers that you put on the back of your car. Where it's Abs- like the big apples. Not, no. Okay. I have no stickers on the back of my car. You have a very clean truck. There's, yeah, nothing on it. Okay. That's what really drives me insane is people, when I see the stickers on the back of cars, it's like people are like, I, I mean, I put like one or two stickers on my car, but they have like deep significance. And it's like an apple. It's like, what? I mean, does your family identify? Is that part of your identity or your family culture? I guess I never really understood any of those collections of stickers on the backs of cars, right? Like if it's a work car, it makes sense to advertise your business with some stickers or maybe support somebody else's business, like a friend or a loved one. But to just, like you said, have all these stickers on the back of your car, what are you trying to communicate to everybody (laughs) with that? And why? And why do you care to communicate that to a bunch of like random strangers on the street that you don't know and they don't know you? You just want to make sure that they know you love Apple yeah, yeah, and it's like, really? That's that's a priority in your life? Or it's important for all the strangers on the street to know how many kids and dogs you have in your family. <laughs> now, I will say that... We're going to get all kinds of hate mail from everybody <laughs> that's got all these stickers on the backs of their cars. Dude, the common, the common thread, though, of people with a ton of stickers on the back of their car is, aren't, aren't they typically a little off? And they're always charged either politically or socially. Always, yes, yeah. It's either yep. like a gun-toting, red-flag-waving Republican. Everything or... real tree with a Glock sticker and everything else. Or you've got the other side with the coexist, coexist. and PETA <laughs> and, and all the rest of it, right? And the whole back. And, and Quotes from so Gandhi. And... The first one will be, it'll be a pickup truck. And it'll be real tree, Ducks Unlimited, Glock. Maybe an AR-15. And it'll have a multi-hitch that you can pull out and change the ball size. Yeah, and it'll have an American flag somewhere on it. And then you go to the other side, and it's like a little, usually not even a Prius, because it's usually like something old and beat up, like an old Geo Metro or something. Yeah. And the whole back will be canvassed, and it'll say coexist. Or an old crappy Subaru. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, (laughs) yep. Exactly. It's Yeah, it's crazy. And like, yeah, totally charged one direction or the other. And then, you know, you've got me in the middle that just... I don't need stickers. <laughs> but speaking of stickers, I had something I wanted to talk about right away today because of my drive over here. I got behind a Wave Transit bus, and they sell advertising space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do their wraps and stuff. Yeah, yeah, to local businesses. And uh, given that you're a, a a marketer or marketeer, or what do you call yourself? A market man. Market man. 
Market Man. Matt the Market Man. I'm the Matt the Market Man, my lot. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. It's got a ring to it. It could be a t-shirt, maybe. But uh so they sell advertising space on on this on these buses. And I was behind this this bus. It actually crossed four lanes of traffic to get in front of me. So it was meant for me to see this ad today so we could talk about it. Um it was for a uh well first I'll say I'll say what the tagline was and see if you can guess what kind of company it was. So it's got a big American flag, and it says, we proudly support and service our veterans. And this is the Veteran Business Collective podcast. So, I mean, all this is just too coincidental to not talk about it today. What do you think the service is that this advertiser provides? So it's on the back of a wave transit bus? Yep. And the whole message is about supporting the veteran community and servicing veterans. What do you think they're selling? What do you think they do? Um, Give me three wild guesses, and then I'll, I'll do the big reveal. Okay, so one of them would be Disabled American Veterans. That nope. org? Okay. Um, finance, like banking, home lending? That's a good guess. No. is kind of fun um those are both very good guesses because they you do see a lot of that you know like the new day usa ads get your home refinanced yeah yeah, yeah stuff some admiral is always on there talking about it um hvac <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be okay too no so my reaction to it wasn't wasn't a positive reaction. So I want to I want to see what your reaction to it is. Cremation and funeral services. Hmm. Yeah, that instantly has a negative vibe to it. 100%. We proudly serve our veterans with cremation services. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's just kind of like a little dark, know, huh? Cryptic. <laughs> yeah, like are you getting behind the 22 a day cause? Like, you know, like what Sponsored are you, by. <laughs> you know, like where are you going with this? Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird way to try and tie in. Which, do you know which funeral home it was? I it's do, not, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah. Um, it's not important. Yeah. But you, it just, you seemed, know, if you're listening, you know, it's you. Yeah. It seemed like <laughs> a weird way to try to tie in patriotism and supporting the military. Right. Like it just seems like a weird tie in. Like everybody needs to be either cremated or buried when they die. Right. Right. Like, I mean, we all know that nobody wants to talk about it and to point out a specific segment of the population as like your go to market for cremation services. Yeah. Is it because we die at a higher rate? So business is better. Like we're a better target market than everybody else. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a veteran rich community. What if it said we serve the elderly? <laughs> yeah, it's like because you uh, you die when you're old. Right. It's like, wait, you can die anytime. <laughs> You know, <laughs> proudly serving the 65 and older community. <laughs> right. I mean, like, I, I don't know. We're probably putting way too much effort into this conversation, and I tend to overthink things. But I saw that no, piece but- of marketing or advertising, rather, this morning, and I'm like, I don't like how that what that makes me think when I see it. I yeah. don't know if they're communicating the message they hope they're communicating with that. What, what do you think? I mean, so devil's advocate, I'm, I'm envisioning maybe this, this funeral home is known to put on really like, I don't want to say fantastic, but like really good memorial services for veterans. Okay. Like, There's an a, angle I hadn't thought of. You know, maybe, see, I went immediately dark with it. Like, oh gosh. 
There's not a whole lot of light. Veterans are all over here offing themselves at, at, at the cyclic rate. So this place is like figured out how to capitalize on that. I'm like, eh, that's a little dark. No, I mean, you bring up a point because you, you got me thinking about it. And I feel very often that there's a lot of brands, companies that it's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where it's just like, it's like their token deed. Like, oh, we, we serve the veteran. You know, it's just like, right, but what does right. that mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, and then I'm the type of person, and I, I've kind of gotten over it, but, you know, I would, like, for the first five, ten years after I got out of the military, I, I would ask, oh, do you guys give veteran discounts or whatever? And I used to get so butthurt when I would be at businesses that would be like, no, I'd be like, oh, Roger that, okay. And I would say it just like that. So I, it's like I have an affinity just like we all do for organizations that truly do love and in, I don't know, in a way they invest in their veteran community. But I really do feel like um, like car dealerships. Not necessarily targeting veterans as like their target market, but how – and they, I don't want to single out car dealerships, but, you know, when you have Memorial Day, when you have Veterans Day, and it's like, what do you automatically associate? Oh, the Veterans Day sale. And it's just like, damn, like how has it come to that, you know? Yeah, I mean – if it's Veterans Day, it makes sense to have a Veterans Day sale, I guess. Um, you know, maybe that's when the funeral home should advertise as Memorial Day, right? Because that's associated with the ones who are gone, not the ones who are still That around. wouldn't be the greatest business model. <laughs> we only advertise around Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I've never, I've never been one to ask for military discounts. Um, if... If people ask me, hey, were you in the military? I'll say, yeah. And like, oh, okay, well, you get 10% off your movie ticket or whatever. It's like, okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. And but I've never been one to ask. And I know I know guys that are you know, veterans that are way, way more well-off than I am that ask every place they go constantly. And If they give a discount to yeah, vets. Yeah, if they can get a military discount. And I'm just like, one, you don't need a discount, right? And these are all businesses that are trying to – make a living just yeah. like the rest of us, so you, right? You know, so I've, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe part of me, maybe that's the small business owner in me coming out too, that, you know, every, uh, everybody thinks that you've, you've got room to just give away another 10% off right. your, your margins when a lot of times 10% is the margin. Um, so and maybe I'm sensitive because I'm a business owner, but. Um, don't get me wrong. I, it's not like something that I did frequently. I mean, the, the types of transactions that I would inquire about is like when I was joining a gym, or, you know, it's not like I'm yeah. going to Olive or, Garden. Or like uh, Lowe's has a program where if you sign up Lowe's, online. Lowe's is an epic example of it's, who it's I It's an automatic think. 10%. But they're, they're not your local mom-and-pop coffee place that's worried about trying to save a penny on their cups, you know, so they can make rent. They're mm-hmm. a massive public corporation that can afford to give a specific population right. segment a small right. discount, you know. But I've never felt like it's, it's owed. I don't know. Yeah. You don't have a sense of entitlement. Well, I volunteered for the military. Right. You weren't. I mean, maybe <laughs> if I was a Vietnam vet that got drafted and I. And it wasn't something you wanted to do. Yeah. And I was yeah. totally against everything the government was doing and against the war and didn't care. And I got drafted and shipped over there and blown up and came back all, all sorts of messed up. Maybe then I would be like, you know what? You owe me for all, forever because of this. I didn't ask to do this. I didn't sign up for this. I was forced into it. And you owe me. Like, I could see that. You just described um, Born on the Fourth of July. Remember that movie yeah. with Tom Cruise? That's an old one, yeah. But, like, what you just yeah. described was, like, exactly that story. It was one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. 
Deer Hunter's up there with it. I haven't seen that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a bad one. Depressing, like Old Yeller or? No, like it's a, it's a Vietnam War movie. Oh, so it's just dark and yeah. Yeah, the guy's a. Uh, wow, I've never a, even heard a, of that, he's man. He's a deer hunter. He goes to Vietnam, has all his experiences over there, comes back, tries to you know, go back to living his life. He goes out in the woods to hunt deer and just can't shoot a deer. Like, it just doesn't make sense to him anymore. Like, it completely changed his, his entire life. Like, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to kill an animal? I guess, you know, or maybe they're just not as challenging as people or something anymore. I don't remember all the details. I was little, you know, like a lot of these movies came out in the 80s. Um, Who was in it? I probably shouldn't have been watching them. I'm not sure why my dad let me. Probably why (laughs) I ended up in the Marine Corps anyways. You know, all the 80s propaganda. (laughs) Misguided children. G.I. Joe, He-Man, Tour of Duty. Did you watch Tour of Duty? Uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, Mask? Do you remember Mask? You're probably too young for Mask. Mask, and it was like Mask, Thundercats, G.I. Joe. Yeah, would, dude. Uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of war propaganda in the 80s. Yeah, well, and the war on drugs, too, you know. Yeah, I missed that being that I was like five. I didn't pay a lot of attention to that. <laughs> I was in the trenches, mind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was born in 80. Yeah. yeah, you got a whole two years on me. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just I wanted to talk about that ad I saw on the, the transit bus. It just – because you look at it from a marketing perspective, who's your target market? Uh, what's the product you're selling? How do you connect it to the target market? How do you communicate the the value to that specific target audience through your advertising? Because mm-hmm. advertising can be any medium that you're using to communicate that message. It's just interesting to me that a, if, uh, somebody that provides uh, cremation services chose a bus and veterans as their mechanism to communicate their value to a specific market yeah you know what i really would like to see i want to see the new hanover county abc stores saying we are proudly serving our veteran community <laughs> buy one get one yes i'm like now that's a company with their act together that buy truly loves their the abc store or just like <laughs> hey get rid of the abc stores and just let people yeah make it normal like it's buy be. alcoholic like a normal person, you know, like in Wisconsin, you can buy it at a gas station. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. Same. I mean, same thing, which is funny because same thing on the West Coast. It's like. But then the state can't control it and get all kinds of extra money from it. They need to do that with marijuana. They they should. I mean, SB 711 is uh, on hold until the next session, but they're it's been proposed. They're working on it. Yeah. It's a slow progression for sure. It is in the South. <clears throat> Southeast anyways, for sure. Yeah. So, Matt, you are a former recon Marine. How many years did you do? Uh, eight total. Eight years? Yeah. Marine Corps? But the last couple of years, I was going through the um, the MESEP program. Mm-hmm. What did you uh, end up majoring in? Political science. Okay. I love political How, science. How's your uh, political science career been since then? <laughs> um. It hasn't begun yet. <laughs> Still waiting. It hasn't. It hasn't begun. I mean, I look. I look back, and I picked political science just because I. I've always liked politics, and I like more of the international aspect, like diplomacy and international affairs, and you know, the dynamics of nurturing strategic relationships with countries. So, so somebody with a uh, uh, political science academic background i don't know if you have time to pay attention to current events today but what what's your perspective on what's going on with uh 
Russia and the Ukraine and NATO right now? I mean, I've are we heard... going to war again? Really? Like we just got to Afghanistan like six months ago. Are we going to war again? Yeah, I I don't think so. I don't no. think I don't think the U.S. will will would. I don't think. I mean, I think it would be anarchy in the United States if if it turned into a large scale operation with with U.S. service members. But I mean, I I I I haven't seen a single um, action or initiative that's been taken by the current administration internationally that has done anything positive. I mean, in my eyes, I feel like, and, you know, to an extent, Trump kind of exacerbated this, but it was all through his personality, right? That's what got him into trouble 99% of the time. But, I mean, we're at the point now where it's like the U.S. is just the laughingstock of the world. That's my perspective. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Because it's hard hard to say, so... This is the first time we've gotten into politics too much on this on this podcast. Not sure where to go with it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> right? Um, I'm like, oh, let's no, just start it's, it's, over. <laughs> no, we should be able to talk about it, right? But you know, everybody has their own their own opinions. You know, um, Trump took a very uh, forceful position internationally. Yeah, you know, like, hey, allies, pay your bills, contribute to NATO, like you signed in the treaty that said you're going to do for the last you know 70 years and you haven't been contributing the x percent of your gdp like like we have like pay up right, right? and that of course if you've been getting by with free lunches and now you're told you got to pay for your lunch is gonna upset people right you know so I, can, I guess i can see that um and then also taking a tough stance on on some of our uh you know not our allies i, don't, I wouldn't call them all right open enemies but um you know taking a more instead of just the status quo like it has been, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a stronger position on certain issues, mm-hmm. um, but also he opened up to people that are enemies. He's the first president to meet with a leader of North Korea. No one's ever tried to bridge that gap before. Yeah, everyone's always just ignored it and hoped it would go away. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's like his personality was rough, but um, I think a lot of the the friction he caused overseas was because he just he just didn't follow the status quo. Good, bad, or indifferent, he just upset this the current status quo that he did. And he, and he owned he, it from day one. He said, he that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know? And now we've got a guy that can't string sentences together um, at all, which if he can't string sentences together with English-speaking Americans, what do you think his call with Putin sounds like? Right. Right. I, I remember – I mean, he, I can't imagine what that would sound like. I <laughs> – I, I heard a couple months ago, Biden, I think Biden was in, um, uh, in Italy, and he went, to, he went to the Vatican, and he was in a meeting with the Pope, and the translator for the Pope was, like, trying to, like, trying to articulate what the president's saying and turning it into Latin or trying, Italian, trying to whatever. Trying guess at what he might have meant? Yes, and the yeah. poor guy was, like, struggling, like, I don't know what he's talking about. Something about ice cream and naps, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so true. But I, but I will say, and I don't want to harp on it because we've talked about it a ton on various different platforms, but Afghanistan, just the pullout in August, I think epitomizes what America looks like to the rest of the world right now. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, total debacle. Yeah. And Unavoidable debacle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about that on a couple different occasions. Um, but that's a, that's a good reference point for – what our, our current reputation is probably like internationally. Yeah, like, 100%. I agree. Can't trust those guys. Right. You know, and I, I mean, 
I've always been a fan of speak softly and carry a big stick. As far as your, your, your leadership style, it's like hands off, let people live their lives. But if they step out of line, we're going to come down with an iron fist. I think Israel politically is, is a pretty sound example of what I would feel like would be more ideal. Um, I mean, with how conservative Israel is, diplom- you know, diplomatically, um, they don't play. I mean, and it, well, I don't want to get super political, but the way they respond to offenses is, I mean, I feel like that's how we should respond. Yeah, it's like if you're gonna if you're gonna kill one of our people, we're gonna go find a hundred of the bad yous and we're gonna kill them. Yeah, that's yeah, a that's usually a pretty strong deterrent in most most situations. Right. Um, and on that note, if it ever gets super, super bad in the United States where, like, me and my family don't have the well-being of living our lives the way we want to, I will move to Israel in a heartbeat. And I, I mean, I've, and I've said that for years. I mean, I, I literally would move to Jerusalem or Tel Aviv in, in a heartbeat. Yeah. But, <clears throat> you know, I love living in the United States, man. I love living yeah. here. Me too. Me too. I can't, uh, I can't picture myself living anywhere else. Visiting, yeah, but living, I like country or yeah. like actual Wim- Wilmington country. I can picture myself living all over the place in the United States. There's a ton of cool places here that I could. What about the Caribbean or somewhere tropical like that? Uh, nah, be so nah. boring. Indonesia, the Maldives, nah. Tahiti. <laughs> nah. Visit, yeah, go spend a week, be great. But yeah, live there? I don't think so. Not yeah, me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to uh, Duluth. <laughs> I'm gonna watch the ships come in through the ice. <laughs> So a political science career never happened in college. Dude, and it's funny because when I was trying to de- determine what I was going to major in, because the whole reason I was even going to college was because I wanted to go back in the Marine Corps and I wanted to fly. I wanted to be a pilot. And my OSA, my officer selection officer was like, dude, just go poli-sci. He's like, dudes that want to fly, go poli-sci. And that was like a thing. Because it was like, rhymes? Like – I don't know. That sounds like a Marine Corps thing. This <laughs> rhymes, so we'll make it a thing. Yeah. Well, he told me that, and I was like, I like I like politics. I like you know studying the history of it, but then also like just everything that goes with that. And um, that was the whole reason why I made major. I literally was almost going to major in drama, just because I wanted to. That would have been better. I just wanted to go I mean, back. Given and what re- you're doing now, right? <laughs> Being a, a market man. Right, the market man. <laughs> Being the market man. Yeah. With a drama degree, I mean, <laughs> that'd be tough to beat. And the whole reason why I wanted it is because I wanted my whole Marine Corps career to be like, I majored in drama. You know, because my buddies that fly um, in, you know, if I, I have a couple of buddies that have flown in the Air Force, one in the Army, the Navy and Marine Corps, they, they don't care what you major in. No. As long as you get an undergraduate degree from an accredited, you yep. know, university. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like in the Air Force, you got to major, or the Coast Guard, to be a pilot, you got to major like engineering or mechanical i don't know something that's something way smart, more brainy yeah, yeah. poli sci not just, drama yeah <laughs> poli sci is just memorizing stuff drama would have been actually pretty hard because the few drama classes i ever took but i literally just wanted to say majors in drama <laughs> little light in the loafers <laughs> yeah that'd be a that'd be a great uh major for an infantry officer right yeah totally in- instead of like the typical i majored in uh you know military history yeah uh, yeah. You know those guys. Yeah. Right? right? Like they think it matters. Yeah. They wanted to go to VMI their whole life. And yeah. They love life at VMI when everybody else hates it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drama degree would have been cool. So it, you 
got the political science degree, and then um, you ended up leaving the Marine Corps after eight years. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, you went out to uh, California mm-hmm. and became a SWAT officer. But not right away. No, 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 no. Yeah, er, correct, but not right away. I mean, I, I did I did years on patrol. Um, and it was funny because I wasn't expecting to get out of the Marine Corps. I didn't end up commissioning. Um, and it was it was kind of a, an age waiver thing. Um, anyways, so we had to make a decision. And my commissioning day, I literally was just like, that morning they were like, are you sure you don't want to commission? And I was like, like done with everything. It's like I'm waiting for orders for TVS. Um, anyway, so we made this decision to leave, um, moved back to Northern California where I'm from. And I started going through some interviews with, uh, for like corporate type jobs with like one commercial construction company. Um, another one was HP. HP has a pretty big presence in Northern California as far as like plants and stuff. Um, and I was really close to getting this job in the international business department of this one division of HP. And it was just for some reason, I, it was, I was sick to my stomach. And the few interviews I'd, I'd gone in for, it was just, I was beginning, it was the impetus of my, oh, transition is not going to be what I was perceiving it to be. That was right. when it really started, like I really started feeling it because I would go in for these interviews and just the most foreign, alien-like feeling every time I go into these environments because it was just so, I was so divorced from what it was. It was just like mm-hmm. I knew the, the Marine Corps. Um, Anyway, so like nobody in here is wearing silkies right now. <laughs> yeah, I haven't right. had a meeting not in silkies in like eight years, and nobody here is wearing silkies. Right, I can't take any of you seriously. Right, yeah, um, and I totally agree with that. I, you, you know, I still, I mean, if it's summertime, I wear silkies. That's all I wear on the daily. Nine months out of the year here. Amen. Amen. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they're fancy now. They're not. They're not. They're not the softy brand. Yeah, you know, we've leveled up in in, in our silky game. Over yeah. The years. Ron, Ron got me plugged in with, uh, Ron Holmes got me plugged in with Kevin and Lord of mercy, can't remember his last name, but he owns, uh, Savage Tacticians, which is based Herb. here in Wilmington. Yep. Yep. But all that, all those cool shirts and shorts and pants that Ron wears with mm-hmm. all the cool, like, you know, it's got like AK 47s, but it looks like it's like neon, like yeah, yeah, yeah. South beach kind of look. Yeah. It looks like a Hawaiian shirt, but it's got guns all over it. Yeah. 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 Anyways, he got me tied into Savtac, man. And I dig their stuff, but they make a bunch of cool little silkies with like just like tie-dye pattern and like one with pineapples and grenades and you know it's fun but mm. it's still like mili- are, are, they, are they softy manufactured ones are they the same as like the military ones we got you know i don't uh no i mean these are like custom so i'm, I'm a pretty big fan of sunga right now dude i still haven't got a pair of sungas i'm still What's saving wrong money. with you they've got a sale right now for whatever veterans day sale it's a veterans day sale <laughs> in february <laughs> No, there's a holiday coming up. What is it? President's, President's Day? Day? Yeah, they've got a President's Day sale going on. You can get, I think, 15% off. And they didn't even pay me for that. Point. Do they give discounts to veterans? <laughs> it's veteran-owned, uh, probably. It's kind of a know. dick move. It You're is, a veteran. Right? You don't even give us discounts. <laughs> get you in your way to make a living. Um, but, yeah. Um, you should get a pair. Game-changing. Trust me. I'm, I'm going to. I just Game-changing. Got I'm focused on just putting food on the table and allocating my finances appropriately. All that works better when you're in a pair of silkies. <laughs> Dude, I, you don't got to sell me on silkies. You know that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll stop talking about that. Then. Now. Well, never mind. That wouldn't be appropriate for me to ask. <laughs> well, you should probably ask it now that it's out there. Does your wife wear silkies? Like, does she ever wear your silkies? No. 
No, she doesn't. I've tried. I've offered. I was like, hey, can I get you? If I get you a pair of these, would you wear them? Because right, they, make, they make chick ones. Sometimes. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. she's like. She don't need chick ones. She can be I know, wearing. but she doesn't, man. She doesn't. She's into her shorts that she wears to her CrossFit gym or she's into Lululemon. Yeah. Or, you know, like Yoga type tights, pants, whatever. She, she doesn't like leggings. Um, she wears. She gets Lululemon shorts and wears those. Even when it's cold out, she wears the shorts and, and just like a sweatshirt. Yeah, I have. I've. I've always been a big fan of um, females and silkies. There's a history there. There's a history there. We won't go into it, but there's a history there. Are you talking about me? No, just in general with silkies and, and, and chicks. <laughs> yes, and we do mean ladies. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I. I. I will say, and it's it's something that I I feel to be appropriate to to just mention, like. I never ever worked, interacted, or anything with a female marine in in all my time. Like the only time I would I ever interacted with one was like, you know, when you had to go renew your your tags for your car on base or yeah. Other than that, I never ever. I in- didn't see one for the first four years I was in. Oh, because you were fast company, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was West Coast. They don't train females out there for uh, boot camp. Right, 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 right. So exactly. I went, Same I went thing. Out there for that, and so I and everything where they don't train. Well, at least at that time, I don't know if they do now, but they didn't train females to Fast Company in Virginia. So four years into the Marine Corps, I get moved to Camp Lejeune. All of a sudden, you smell perfume. And I like, seen what one. The hell I, is saw, that? I saw the bun across the parking lot of the PX sticking out. I'm like, what the hell is that? What is that? <laughs> that is, what is going on? <gasps> they do exist. <laughs> never seen one. I heard about them, but I'd never actually seen one until I was in for four years. Oh, but I will say that. Subsequent to leaving the Marine Corps, I've had the privilege of having relationships with a with a handful of um, Marines that were females. And dude, I will say, like, you're on another level being a female joining the Marine Corps. Period. Cross you the board. You have to be cross the board. Yeah, you have to be. And then even more so, especially. And I and I saw this. I mean, just just at Quantico, um, Marine officers that are going through all their officer, the basic school, whatever. Um, Females, mad respect because, I mean, I remember doing, like, some of our final exercises and stuff. And, you know, this is after having my background as a grunt. And I remember being like, oh, this is a little miserable. You know, we're on this, like, 25-mile hike, and then you got to do these assaults, and then we're all rotating through the leadership positions. And, I mean, there's females going through the same stuff, wearing the same crap, doing the same thing, but she weighs half of what I weigh. I'm just like, what the hell, man? You couldn't see a male do that. You know, right. I mean, uh, freaking Liz Hartman. Liz, Liz is a perfect example of that. She's, she is the most petite frame a woman can have, and yet, you know, got in the trenches and started hooking and jabbing just like the the boys did. And anyways, yeah, things changed a lot since since then. I mean, my last my last eight years in, uh, there were a lot of female Marines in all kinds of units. Um, not you know, not like like. When I first came in, they they weren't even in support roles in the infantry units, right? Like you yeah, didn't even find exactly. Them in the in the S shops, yeah. It's like, hey, now, what are you doing in here? Yeah, turn they, around and walk out. Now they can be in your platoon, <laughs> right? It's completely different. But uh, so having <clears throat> since that time been able to come into contact with a lot more of them, dude. Uh, to your point, man, I've I've met plenty that can absolutely embarrass me in the gym, and embarrass me on a run. Yeah, like absolutely just embarrass me. Not that I'm some kind of 
PT stud or anything, but everybody's attitude has always been, oh, they're not capable. They can't do the same thing a, a guy can do. Right. I've met plenty that can absolutely do everything that I've done. Didn't, I, wasn't there a, a woman that recently graduated? She was the first female graduate from IOC. I don't know. I want to say like a year or two ago was like the first female that had I know they didn't have a lot of success with that for years. They kept putting them in the course and... Just like washing out or... Getting injured. Right. IOC is just, it's, uh, it's tough yeah. from what I hear. Like, yeah, I mean, the amount of weight they make you carry is crazy. Like I've, I heard stories of... And when you're 110 pounds... snapping, trying to, yeah. trying to carry that kind of weight on, on marches and everything. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I haven't really followed it in a while since I've been out. You know. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I hadn't thought about the whole male, female, military service thing for years. And then I was hanging out with Kyle Phillips, who's an actively serving colonel, who's been on Signal Fire Radio before, been to BBC. Um, he and I were hanging out one day, and he was just like, dude, there's no MOSs that a female cannot try to get. Like, there's no fields. that." They, and I was like, it was total news to me. I was like, what? Since when? Yeah. He's like, dude, they did away with that, like, I don't know, years ago. Yeah, we're dinosaurs. <laughs> It's like what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can say a lot of things, but we're, we're it, dinosaurs. <laughs> dude. We don't understand anymore. <laughs> we had black boots. <laughs> yes, I did. You know how to polish boots? Son? I did for like two years. <laughs> I was really good at polishing them. Uh, Unfortunately, that's something I can claim. Oh, and I always hated when we wear black combat boots in the field because we were always in the swamp, we were always in the water, always in the ocean, and like the leather would just you know because it was like. It was, you know, it was like poly- the black boots were like polished leather. Mm-hmm. And like the ones we have now are, why did we not make these all along? You know, the the, the raw hide kind of. Yeah. But I used to hate it because my field boots would always just be, so- the leather would be so unhealthy because it gets wet, dry, wet, dry, it's cracked. And I felt like I went through boots like it was going out of style because in Lejeune, you're always wet. You just you, always are. Yeah. Even if you don't go in the water, you're wet. Because <laughs> right. you sweated through everything you have right. on because it's 90% humidity and hot. Yeah. And you're outside exercising constantly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So you decided not to go the corporate route because it it, uh, it was it was sitting right with you. Yeah, but this all happened very, very quickly, and I didn't know why um, I was feeling this way, but I was starting to connect the dots of, okay, there's something to this. I have stuff I got to process through or whatever to, like, reassimilate and, and thrive in this side of life. Um but I started thinking about law enforcement, which is funny because it's something I always despised of. When I was actively serving, I would talk to, you know, my friends, what are you doing when you get out professionally? And, you know, sometimes I'd be like, I'll probably go become a cop. And I was like, dude, don't become a cop. That's so lame. Don't. It's like, mm-hmm. no, don't do that. Go be you. Well, I found myself saying, well, this would be a, a good career. Um, first responders on the West Coast get, get paid really well, as they should everywhere. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Um, that's probably one of the only things that, you know, the government in California does well is take care of their first responders. So I knew if I pursued this career, I mean, it, it you get paid very well and you have a very great lifestyle. Hmm. That's good. Um, so like overnight I just decided I'm going to go become a cop and did a little bit of research. Lame. Yeah, <laughs> you want to talk about lame, dude, it's, it's, you know, being a Marine Corps veteran and then going to a police academy that's got probably... I think we started with like 40 and then we graduated with like 25 or something. But like most of them are 21, 22 years old, you know, because you have to be 21. You can't go through the police academy. And that was just gnarly. Like the PT was just like, what are we doing? 
this is so silly. Ten push-ups? Really? I will say that our, our PT instructors, <laughs> they, they would like they would smoke us pretty well. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I remember sitting there in the lean the um lean and rest and mm-hmm. just I remember just shaking. I'm like, oh, this is this is pretty good. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I became a cop, um, worked for the sheriff's office in, in Sacramento. Um, and then I spent my first four four years, I think, on patrol. And then uh, an opportunity came up. Um, some vacancies were on the SWAT team, and uh, I just tried out. And you know, <clears throat> SWAT is not at all what you know general public thinks it is. They, you know, everybody thinks it's nothing but kinetic, dynamic movement. You know, shoot, move, communicate. I mean, you're pretty much always dangling from a helicopter yeah. on a rappel line. Well, same thing in the Marine Corps. Shooting too. your MP5. <laughs> right. Drug Upside dealers, down. At drug dealers, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, my last few years I was on the SWAT team and that that industry, and I mean, I know you know way more about this. I'm not going to go into detail, but that industry was just, ended up being really toxic for me personally. Mm-hmm. Not, it wasn't the work. I love the work. Um, it was just probably, probably tough to have a, a good work home life balance. That, that kind oh, of occurred, dude. Right? I mean, yeah. That, almost, the, almost like I think about it. And one of the things that would kind of scare me about that profession is it'd be like being deployed to Afghanistan, but at home, like you get up every day, put your armor on and you go out to fight the battle and you come back home to your family. It's just, yeah. It, and, it, and that is part, that's kind definitely of, kind of weird, you know? And, yeah, definitely part of it. And it was, it was, it, it's crazy how time changes things because before I became a cop, I w- and people, people close to me were like, dude, be careful about going into law enforcement because, you know, that's, you know, you hear all the statistics about suicide and alcoholism and divorce and infidelity. It does sound <laughs> like the Marine Corps. <laughs> right. um, and I was like, dude, I, I, I left the Marine Corps after my tours. The same, I, I was still in touch with who I was as a person. I felt like mm-hmm. my time as a cop totally started changing who I was as a person. Um, and all the statistics that I have been fed from the get-go that I was always like, yeah, for some, but not for me, you, you fast forward to the end of my law enforcement career and it, it, it affected me in all of those ways. Really? Oh, 110% wow. to the extent that, you know, I was, I was, I, I like overnight started looking at myself going, who are you? Like you've turned into like this freak, hmm. you know, um, I mean, my drinking was out of control and my social life was not congruent with what a a good father husband figure would be living um and it was just kind of like the status quo like this is how you do it when you're a cop man and it's like um you know so i had to make a decision it was like my marriage was freaking pretty much over um but my my wife wanted to stay with me and wanted to salvage our 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 relationship and obviously at this point we had two girls our daughters um so we, we made it a decision. We're going to walk away from that entire life. We're going to walk away from law enforcement, from the West Coast, move back here where we lived before. And we actually missed living here so much, um, which the whole time I lived in North Carolina, I hated it because all I wanted to do is be back in California. And then after I had been back there as an adult for eight years, I'm like, screw <laughs> this. Like, what? Get me out of here. This That's is funny. I mean, when you're, a, when you're a SWAT operator in California and you have to go through the same amount of red tape to buy another pistol that Joe Blow down the street has. It was like, yeah, like, what? With, with magazine capacity restrictions and yeah, and, and trigger pull poundage restrictions. Yeah. and what color it can be and <laughs> all the rest of it. Yeah, no, that's a scary one. You can't buy that one. 
Put them SWAT. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. deadly, man. You don't care, man. You could get it. You could shoot your eye out. <laughs> Dude, totally. Oh, totally. No, I'm SWAT. Yeah, you could still shoot your eye out. <laughs> it's not still you. dangerous. Have you thought about this bow and arrow with foam tips? <laughs> the Nerf ones, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's fast forward, man. So you ended up back in, in North Carolina. Uh, in Wilmington, mm-hmm. and we'll skip a couple of those chapters just for time, yeah. if that's cool. And I'd like to talk about where you are now. Yeah. So you've gone on this long journey of, you know, almost a decade Marine Corps, almost a decade law enforcement. You've done a bunch of things in between here and there. And now you're you're on an entrepreneurial path, <sighs> which is a whole nother big I feel pivot, very... right? It's a huge pivot. It's yeah, scary. It and is. I can say that because I've done it, but... Uh, just leaving the military is a huge pivot and scary. And then leaving another stable career and paycheck, even if it was warping you into somebody you didn't like, is still scary. Yeah. Super scary. Because you don't know, like, how am I going to pay my bills? What's life going to be like? You don't know. Yeah. Now you've done it again into probably, in my experience, what I would consider the scariest thing I could ever do, which is be in business. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I feel humble you saying that because you are a successful business owner. And you, you know, you said I was on the entrepreneurial path. I guess I'm on that path, but I, I mean, we've had plenty of conversations about this. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, we're building, we're building this as we drive it. Yeah. And that's um, what it's like a lot of times. Yeah. So, so, um, up until this last summer, I spent the last five years working at the business school at UNC Wilmington. And then about a year and a half ago, we started signal fire radio. Um, and then people wanted us to start producing content for them, mm-hmm. you know, so we grew it into a media company, Signal Fire Media, and um, as we started growing our clientele, um, my my disenchantment of being associated with the university was increasing. And um, you know, six seven months ago, uh, we had gotten to a point that it was appropriate for me or somebody, and it ended up being me, to transition and start focusing on driving the brand full time. Um, and that was July of last summer. So, so it's been. What stands out the most to you so far um, about you know being a business owner and trying to trying to make it work? Chaos, chaos, c- c- communication. Um, oh, communication, and which is funny because communication is like it's like the most important thing to me. Communication and conscientiousness. If you say you're going to do it, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I will literally like be on a podcast. That doesn't count. That doesn't, that doesn't count. Not today. Was that, was that a cheap shot? Was that low? Was that no, below the belt? No, because I think it was really funny. You're like, are you going to join me? I'm like, what do you mean? Who's your guest? It's that you, dumbass. Hilarious. That was hilarious. I wish we we should have been recording at that point because that would have been funny. Like to have TK just have the cameras already rolling and I'm sitting in here by myself like, is this guy coming in here or what? Like he's, I can see him. He's just hanging out there. Like, are we going to talk or jerk but, off here? But you said communication. Um Communication and conscientiousness. Those are, I feel like those to me are the key elements that help, I think that help me be successful. And it's also what I perceive to help a team be successful is communication and conscientiousness. If you say you're going to do something, just follow, follow through with what you say you're going to do mm-hmm. and, and communication. It's like, if this isn't working, tell me it's not working. Let's figure it out and tell me now. Don't tell me next week, you know. So being efficient with your communication. Um, but it's just, it's so chaotic. And it's like, when, you, when I looked at it, you know, back in June, the day before I started working with Signal Fire full time, I had this perception of, well, you know, I'll, I'll dedicate this much of my day to meeting with people and 
And then I'll dedicate this much of my day to researching the market and really navigating, you know, key stakeholders I want to engage with. <clears throat> and it, it then just like – Then you find out your world's on fire 24-7. In a way, yeah. yeah. In a way, I mean, it certainly feels that way. And I know from the outside, you're just like, dude, calm down. Everything's okay. But um, it, it, it is for me. It's just – it's chaotic and um, it's intimidating when, you know, I got a friend, Chris, here in town who's part of the Wilmington Network, works for uh, – uh, Adam Shea, the CPA, and you know he's 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 been working with us. He's there are account they're doing our accounting, and uh, you know he's asked me for these documents and blah blah blah. And it's like it's so intimidating because I'm like, dude, I I can't what I I'm just trying to cl- like get invoices paid for. It's like what do you mean <laughs> tracking like all you know the the financials? And it's like. And and I hate saying it, having like got my MBA, because it's like, yeah, we technically could have financial statements if we really wanted to, but it's like, you know, I'm, you know, we're worried about, you know, making payroll, like pay, paying everybody, making sure everybody's getting paid on time, or cleaning the studio, or oh man, the fridge is empty, and we have two clients recording sessions today, um, you know, and then dealing with, you know, so we're building our team. But it's like you can't have all your investment for this one expertise in one person, you know? It's like we start off with just TK, and it was just like, okay, well, we're going to very quickly get to a point where this is exceeding his bandwidth. So we start adding people, and then, you know, it's the and, unpredictable. And your costs go up. The amount of things you have to manage go up. Yeah. But and you and still I feel have like- the same amount of time in the day. You have the same amount of bandwidth as you had prior. Yeah, so what I'm hearing from you is that uh, it's tough. Yeah. And I mean, you and I have had conversations on days where I literally was going to suck start a shotgun. Not really. But I was just like, this sucks. Like, just. So why do you do it? So for people out there listening, you know, maybe transitioning. <laughs> you're, not, you're not encouraging them. Maybe, maybe, maybe people, you know, looking at transitioning <clears throat> and they're, they're running the same things you ran into. Like, man, I just can't see myself working in some corporate gig somewhere. Yeah. I and I want to go into business, right? Like, you're painting this this doom and gloom picture of business. Right. Uh, but you're doing it. Right. So and why? I, so I'm painting this doom and gloom p- picture, but that's only Which because... I agree with everything you said. Right. But you're still doing it, and I'm still doing it. Yeah. So what's your reason for still doing it? Uh, well, A, I want... I, because of the nature of the, of the narrative on this show, I want to be transparent about, like, the realities of what I've been internally experiencing. But um, I'm... So it might be doom and gloom with the media business right now, but it's 10 times better than my gig at the university the last couple of years. It's mm-hmm. 10 times, 100 times better than in the life way? I w- In what way? What, in what way is it better? My well-being. Okay. So when I, when I, when I navigate the day here, it's like in a, in a certain aspect, I'm completely in control with what I'm doing. I'm not being delegated. You know, I'm, I'm not – I don't have this corporate structure that's just – you know, I'm just a part of this big machine. Right. You, so, like, you still have things you have to do you can't get out of, right? Like, you still – have to stock the fridge has to happen, but you do it on your own terms, and somebody else isn't coming in. And be like Matt, why isn't the fridge stocked? Hundred percent. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Y- y- well, yeah. That's I mean, that's one. There's in my. I mean, that's a really mundane example. I mean, there's a million different tasks we could have highlighted that need to happen on a regular basis. Yeah. No, that's that's a, a simple one to understand. That, that's a huge aspect of it. It's like you know, Monday morning at eight o'clock. Like it's like why. My five years at the university, I would have to go and be in my office at eight o'clock. It's like you're expected to be in there. Even at 8 if o'clock. there's nothing going on, right? why? Yeah. Like it's Marine Corps. I, I want to be Corps. there, but why? It's like if I don't have to be there, you know. So it's like eight eight o'clock Monday morning. 
if I want to go for a run because it, it was nice outside and it's like ideal for me to run, I can go run, go into the office a little later and just, you know, course correct my schedule for the rest of the day or the week accordingly. Do you, do you feel that that freedom, because I, I think I struggle with this a lot. Do you think that that freedom in your schedule uh, makes it difficult to stay on task at times? Yeah. Do you feel like, because I, I know I struggle with this where it's like, man, I get to the end of a week and I'm like, man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Yep. I, I, I can see like I wasted three hours on Wednesday that could have been spent developing social media content. I could have set up three more lunches this week than I did. Right. Like I see that every week in, in retrospect. I look back and I'm like, I see all the, the failures and gaps where I could have been. Oh, okay. You're more, talking about more, yourself. I yeah, thought you myself. were looking at me. No. I look back at your week back and I see all these failures and gaps. I don't know what gaps. you do every day. But I look back at my week and I'm like, dude, like you could have hustled harder. You could have done more. You know, that's what I say to myself every week. And part of that is I'm not required to check in at 8 and check out at 5. With mm-hmm. the, it's on me right. to say I'm going to start at this time and do this and do this and do that. I did the same thing this morning. I'm like, dude, it's 65 for the first time in a month. I'm going for a run. Yeah. You know, I did the same thing. But then because I did that and I had the freedom to do that, I didn't do something for one of my businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, but dude, we're, we're – and you know this, we're always going to have opportunity costs for every single thing that we do. Right. If we're going to choose to do this, we're choosing not to do something else. But there's so much value in having that choice. Yeah, hugely. And it's not, and it's something that I have never experienced before. You know, I, and it's worth more than money in a lot of ways. Oh, dude, it will. And right? that, like, I'm living that because I'm, I make less money now than what I did at the university and what I did definitely as a cop. Am I happier? Absolutely, I'm happier. Is right. is is my is my presence when I, you know, when I'm off work and I'm with my family, am I, am I more present and not, you know, checked out because I'm just critically thinking about something? Um, yeah. So I, I, I was being super negative by just highlighting some of the, the struggles for me. Cause I yeah. think there's value in sharing that. No, absolutely. I mean, it does no good to just tell everybody how awesome you are and how awesome everything is all the time because it's not reality, man. Right. It's not, not for anyone. I don't care what kind it of is rosy- on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's that's a way to paint a picture of complete falsehoods, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, yeah. I appreciate the honesty. It's and it's true. I don't think there's a, a business owner, or entrepreneur out there that can't relate to everything you just said. I would imagine, dude. And I'm, I mean, I'm at the very beginning of it. You know, I'm talking to you. You've gone through this for years, and I haven't. So, um, and and I would say the most encouraging thing for me is surrounding myself with with mainly veterans, but entrepreneurs that are successful, you, you know, Rob Renz, you know, Morgan Lattimore, Ron Holmes. It's like, I'm surrounding myself with veterans. So we have, we, we come from the same foundation, but I'm surrounding myself with people that I can learn from. You've been successful in this. What have you been through? Share your, your experiences with me and allow those to be a tool and a resource to make my trans, you know, my, my journey better. Um, and that's certainly what I, I want to do in every aspect of my life. I mean, professionally and personally, like, let me share with you decisions that I've made that have had negative effects and whatever, and mm-hmm. take it for what it's worth, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. Absolutely. Well, we're getting close to our, our allotted time. Uh, so a couple more things I wanted to hit on. Uh, we haven't really talked about the VBC at all, but you've been involved with the VBC since day one. Yeah. Um, I think. You've made it to, like, everything we've done, every meeting, most of the socials. I mean, you've been at, like, pretty much everything. Right. Um, 
just from your perspective, like what sort of value has that driven for you, if any? So um, since my law enforcement career, my jobs have always in- involved me being, you know, being out and about in the market, going to networking events, going to, and you know, as a business owner here in Wilmington, there's, there's a bunch of nonprofit organizations here in Wilmington that are in some way business networking related. So I had a frequency over the last seven years really to be going to all these events and time after time after time. I, I don't think I ever went to a single event that I was like, there was some legit value there for like growing a, your business or growing your brand. And it was funny because from the very first VBC meeting at Ironclad, you know, there's what, like nine people 15. there? That's what I said, 15. Yeah. 15, 15. yeah. Well, <clears throat> people brought significant <laughs> others with them. Well, there was probably a couple of bartenders in there, too. I didn't count the bartenders, <laughs> but there was two. Um, but from the very first meeting, and I don't know, I don't, it may have been because it was at Ironclad. I don't think Iron, I think Ironclad is an awesome brewery. I don't think it's a good venue to be hosting any sort of speaking engagement. If somebody's been holding a microphone and on a stage, the acoustics in that building are horrific. So I just don't like that I don't have a kitchen. <laughs> so if I'm going to spend all that work and then go to a networking event for two hours immediately after work, I want to be able to get a burger or something. No, that's, a great, nah, that's a great point. Um, Otherwise, I love that space. Dude, so, so we had the first meeting, and I just had this kind of like, eh, you know. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything negative about anything. It was just kind of like a first coming together, and nobody really understands what we had no we're idea do. what we were doing. We are yeah. socializing it. Okay, we're all here. Now what do we do? Yeah. And, um, do we do it again? <laughs> right. And, man, now it's been, what, 15, 13 months, 14 months? Yeah, November, November was, of, was 12. So, yeah, 14. Um, dude, like fast-forwarding to now, it, it blows my mind every single time. It's a week hasn't passed in the last year that I haven't met somebody almost probably every week that is a newcomer to VBC. Hey, I'm just I'm transitioning out of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, uh, or I just or I have already and I own a business. And so, a my network's growing, um, but then just bearing witness to the momentum that's being gained from connections made at VBC. I mean, you're an example of that. You've had business ventures that have sprouted from connections and conversations that happen at VBC. I've never seen that at any of the networking events I've been to. Not about right. Yeah, you know? the speed of trust is a lot faster. I think uh, totally because of the shared background. Yeah, man. It's like it's like if I just met you and you're not a veteran, it's just like the jury's out a lot more than if it's going to take you, a lot longer to yeah get comfortable with somebody. Yeah, I mean. There's plenty of veterans that I'm not comfortable with, too, though. <laughs> right, but you, that initial extension of trust is there. Yeah. Whereas in other places, it might be more, uh, show me why I should trust you. Right. Whereas in our group, it's like, hey, show me why I shouldn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Um, and it's bit me in the butt, and I know it's bit every veteran in the butt. Like mm-hmm. when you, when Oh, you, every group has their 10 to 20% of a-holes, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just talking about, like, I became pretty um, stable and just functioning in my daily life like that. Like, no, I'm going to trust you because we're part of this team and, you know, until you prove otherwise. And it's like you can't hold on to that the same way you did in the military when you're in your, you know, when you get into business. Well, because now money's involved and that changes everything. That's true. You can, right? You can, anyway. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and, you know, I, I do survey people uh, in a very – unofficial capacity as far as you know what 
the BB, VBC has done for them uh, revenue-wise, because mm-hmm. that is a big part of it, right? Like, we're helping each other grow our businesses in yeah. order to accomplish our our, uh, our mission of elevating the lives of veterans. Um, you know, economic stability and success is a big, big part of that. Um, and I, I think we're over 3 million at this point. And really, yeah. And revenue generated in the first, uh, 14 months here in Wilmington. Dude, that's so rad. I love hearing that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a big number. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big number. It is. It's I mean, especially number. for Wilmington, you know, that's a yeah. big number anywhere. Yeah. Um, I made, I made a point in the last couple of months to have some conversations with people because, you know, no one wants to talk about their finances. No one wants to say, oh, I made this much money or I did that. So, but one-on-one, um, privately, no, no recordings, no notes, um, just kind of, uh, fielding it that way. It seems like we're probably over, th- over the 3 million mark, uh, in the first 14 months. So business is, is happening. Um, so that's pretty cool. Now, would you say it's more of like new ventures starting or is it more of, um, like referrals? Uh, mostly referrals, I think. Yeah, mostly referrals. I mean, if a new venture starts there, I mean, I guess you could contribute or uh, allocate any of the revenue to the VBC because they wouldn't have existed if they hadn't formed through the VBC. Right. right? So, I mean, by default, you could kind of lump all their revenue into that figure if you wanted to. Um, but no, just referral business. And it's it's small stuff like like with, with one of my businesses, Sano, you know, we do jobs that are $100. You know, that's, I've gotten referrals where I've done jobs that are 75 bucks for, for other members. But then you have folks in there that are, their transaction amounts are way higher. If you're a realtor and you sell a house for a half million dollars, yeah, you know, that's a half million dollars in revenue um, that wasn't there prior to. Right. You know, so there's, and we have all kinds of different folks in there. We have people doing land development, people doing uh, construction yeah, um, general contractors. Those are some high ticket. And another thing, you know, another thing of value to, to me before we wrap up with BBC is that um, people that I, I mean, dudes are. I say dudes because it's mainly dudes, but um, we, I'll make connections at VBC. We're veterans, so we have that. You know, we have that connection already. And then before I even really get to know these people, like they're trying to refer business to me. Like, dude, I want to push you guys to to this company. And it's like, I, it blows me away. Like Mark, Mark Arrington, perfect example of that. Tim Howard, perfect example of that. Ron Holmes, perfect example mm-hmm. of that. I mean, and it's like. They want you to win. Yeah. And they, want to see, they want to help you win. And it's so yeah. foreign. It's so, yeah. it's, but it's so like so Everybody's awesome. always all guarded and worried about their little piece of yeah, the Yeah, what's in it for me? What are you going to yeah, do yeah. for me? And, yeah. And that's, that's what's, yeah, that's what I like about it. Is everybody's, what, how can I help? What can I do for you? Yeah. And let, instead of. Well, help me. Here's my card. Call me. You know. Yeah. When you need me. Because that God, nothing rubs me the wrong way more than when somebody meets you. Like you're just meeting somebody, and within 30 seconds they're giving you their business card. It's like, don't be that person. Either freaking talk to me. I mean, if you're doing a speed dating session, that's one thing. You got 30 seconds. Go. Yeah, I went to a chamber event last night, which was really cool. <laughs> because it was at uh, which was really cool. It was at the Pause for People compound. I don't know if you've been out there, dude. They're camping. Kevin's Kevin's told me about it. They've got a village, bro. Yeah. A gated village with paved roads and houses and buildings and it's insane what yeah. they've got. I had I was expecting I'd drive up and it'd be like a cinder block humane society type building yeah. with a fence. Looks like a dog yard. pound. That's what I was expecting. You know, I'm like, yeah, they train dogs. I, mean, I was expecting uh, no. No, like wrought iron fenced in automatic gate, their own whole system of paved roads and 
I've heard about it. I haven't seen it. Hotel spaces and houses. I'm like, they got it going on, dude. Like, it is awesome out there. But I had the same thing. I've, you know, talking to somebody, another person comes up. Oh, hey, my name's my name's Joe. Here's my card. And then they walk like, off, and you're like, <laughs> 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 don't be that guy, you know, man. Come on, man. You know, yeah. hang out for a minute. You know, but uh, all right. So we're gonna wrap it up. I feel like we could probably just keep going all afternoon, but. Shane's been here for like a half hour waiting for his session. So we should probably probably give him an opportunity. Yes. So the last two things I'll ask you is um, if you were to, to drop one solid piece of advice on the table for anybody that might be listening, it can be business advice, uh, you know, from your entrepreneurial experience, career transition. You've transitioned careers several times. Um, good dad advice. I don't know. Whatever you're into, man. Just something that something of value to leave with people. Something that always helps me, and I'm, you know, being a free diver, breathing okay. is, is huge. And it's something that I've been focused on, not focused on, but it's just something that I've, I'm more driven to, to focus on since I left the university. Um, just because I, you know, it's been intense at times. It's like all of a sudden we have this fire I got to put out, and it's like I'm going up and down. And I've been out of that for a while. And coming back to my breathing, my, my breathing patterns, my breathing tables, and having a, a cyclic and consistent way of, of regulating your oxygenation, your carbon dioxide levels. Um, yeah, you're making me want to just take a deep breath right now. <laughs> I've been sitting slouched over. Yeah. Expand the lungs, get some oxygen. I want to take my, my blood, uh, blood oxygen level right now. And Don't take your blood ahead. alcohol. <laughs> I'm going to up that later. Uh, right. I, heard, I heard one of our guests this afternoon has plans for that. So Bernadette Solar, <laughs> uh, Bernadette Solar um, is a Marine wife, um, but yoga master. And she was recently a guest on, on Signal Fire, and we went through a little breathe, a yoga breathing pattern, and it was freaking epic. Yeah. Like, it was, it's dumb, simple, but it brought me back to why I love breath hold, because there's so much amazing, amazing aspects and health values of being able to not only be conscious of what's going on with your blood and your oxygen levels, but how to address it and how to make it is, you know, make your body as, as happy as it can be in this moment. Um, but as far as advice goes, the biggest thing that I would say is surround yourself with people that you you have a desire to, you know, join their ranks. So, like, I'm surround. you know, a year ago, I was like, I'm surrounded by all these entrepreneurs and business owners that are veterans. And I, and, you know, now I'm, I'm in that entrepreneurial space. And it's, I wouldn't have done it without the support, the guidance, and the motivation I've gotten from people like you and Rob and Scott and everybody else. Um, because I have confidence knowing that, and it, there's that veteran connection. It's just like, I mean, this guy is saying I'm going to be okay, and I just got to do this. And you know, and I, I get provided that guidance on a daily basis from my network. And so, surrounding yourself with with people that you want to um, assimilate to be one day, um, I. That has been the biggest help for me, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's that's great. Absolutely great. <clears throat> Last question. Any book recommendations? Hmm. Hmm. Um, like New Testament or Old Testament? I don't care. <laughs> I like the New Testament. Which book's your favorite? <laughs> um, probably 2 Corinthians. Um. No, but as far as books go, um, I don't know, Surfer's Journal? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not familiar with that. Is it a book or is it a it, it, it's, journal? It, it's a periodical, but it's a very high end. The Surfer okay, Journal. Okay, it's a magazine. Yeah, okay. but it's like very um, poetic literature in there. But it's it's all like you know they, they're on a surf trip and they're mm-hmm. just writing about it. But it's it's high quality. Um, Surfer Journal is probably something I, I really enjoy reading. Um, but as far as books go. That's good. I and mean, we've had people recommend magazines. I've never heard of that one. I didn't hear of the one that was recommended on one of our previous episodes. Um, we've had people recommend like just straight up fiction, literature, because they enjoy it. Gives them a break from reality. Hmm. No expectations. So if, <laughs> if it's if it's a surfer's journal, I'm good with that. I'm gonna write it down because I want to check it out. Surfer's Trust journal. me, every 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 issue, and it's it's not cheap. Um, and it only comes out like I think it comes out every other month, but it's like the most beautiful surf photography and most beautiful surf trips. And it's like the respected journalistic periodical in the surf industry. Um, Very cool. Yeah. Well, Matt, we are out of time. Well, dude, thank you for having me on, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks this for was, reminding me. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> and and who, is, who is today's guest? <laughs> you know, we'll just see. Whoever shows up, we'll just give them a spot. Well, shit, Matt, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, man. Thanks. We'll see you. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the VBC Podcast. I am State Farm Agent Rob Renz, and I want to help you get to a better place. Visit us online at ilminsurance.com. That's ilminsurance.com. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.